RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, hey, Friday morning people. What's going on, everybody? Uh... Crazy week last week. Really fun episode. I'm really glad I had an opportunity just to do one by myself. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, it was. Uh, I got some good feedback as well. I was really. I'm out of breath. By the way, I just ran up the steps because um, my dog was barking and I had to get her out of the room. Um, I uh, I loved that episode. I had a lot of fun talking to uh, uh, talking about it. You know the idea that this is people's business. Okay. People have put a lot of money, a lot of time and a lot of effort into this. And for you just to rip it apart online like that, it's kind of a fucked up thing to think about it. Um, so Yelp leaders, if you're out there, you guys should really go away to a whole different place. That's why I titled the whole episode. Fuck Yelp. Um, not a fan of it at all. So, uh, that's how I feel about that. I'm not going to go any deeper into that. I think I went pretty deep last week, but I did have some really good comments from people, um, talking about it and especially from restaurant operators. And it was kind of cool because I had some people reach out to me who, who, you know, said one guy said, Hey, I used to always do that. Now it makes more sense to me why I don't. Um, so that was kind of a cool thing. I got a private message from somebody who had said that that was, that was kind of neat. So, you know, if I change one person's mind, then that makes me a happy dude. So I'm, I'm pretty cool with that. Um, I want to talk, uh, a little bit about there's a, a cool article that I was reading um, and a video that was coming up that was talking about uh, this uh, this chef named Ulysses Olmos who uh, made the rise from dishwasher to one of Daniel Belo's ex- uh, executive chefs. Um, the chef, a native of Mexico, started his career at Daniel Belo's uh, New York-based Dynex Group in 2005 and worked his way up the ranks. And um, it's kind of cool as a chef to uh, to meet people. And, and especially people that have worked for you in the past, because, you know, I mean, I've been in this industry since I was 14 years old. I've been a chef since 1995, um, where I started overseeing kitchens and operating kitchens. So I've had a lot of people pass through, uh, through my schedules, through my, my life, pass through my arms in some cases with, um, with a lot of people, um, you know, and I've had some characters, man, some shady, shady, shady characters. And one of these days, I'd love to get one of the chefs that I've used to work, who used to work with me on. Maybe we can bring up some of the old war stories of some of the old guys that have worked for us. But, um, you know, I think that when I have these conversations with people now, um, it's a little bit more meaningful than, you know, 10 years ago. I always talk about my first 10 and my last 10 in the industry. My first 10 are never going to change. Those are things that I will always reflect on on a daily basis because I know the mistakes that I made in during that time. Um, and then I have my last 10, which is ever evolving. It's a different door every single day. I'm learning something new. I'm, 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 in, I'm being introduced or I'm having somebody else's influence into my life. And, and those things are pretty cool to me. So, um, so to read something like this about, you know, a chef uh, who started off as a dishwasher and then made that move um, up the ladder is really, really a cool thing because I loved giving people the opportunity to try to step up and move up a ladder. Um, I never understood why we would hire people outside of the groups that we had and bring them in at higher positions because it's our job to teach and to cultivate staff on a weekly basis. That's what our job is. You know, I had a conversation with a gentleman last night. 
Uh, uh, let, let me back up for a sec. So Monday night I went to a, uh, I went to an event, uh, a really awesome event that was called, uh, the chef's roll, which was put on by chef's roll as well as front of house. So if you're in this industry, you guys know what front of house is. Front of house is a company that provides plateware and to go ware and tabletop items, um, to the industry. Very, very uh, productive company and very progressive in their designs and what they do. It's really neat. And uh, I found some cool stuff out last night about this company, like the fact that if I'm a chef and I call up and I'm like, hey, I've got this new dish that I want to put together, but I'm not sure what I want to put it on, that they have like consultants that will work with you to, to cultivate that dish, to find out that palette, that, 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 that canvas or that medium that you want to use to put it on to showcase the dish. It's really a neat concept because especially in this day and age where we're not just talking about the food, that it's really about the components, that it's really about the presentation and the way that it comes together, especially in this day and age of Instagram and showcase and uh, visibility that restaurants and chefs are getting. So it's kind of neat to watch, but I, I got to go to this event on Monday night and I sat on a panel with, uh, with, uh, the, the director of marketing from FOH and, um, the head food writer at mainline today or at, at Philly mag in Philadelphia and, uh, the owner of, uh, caribou cafe, Olivier, who is a, a wonderful French chef. And then, on that panel as well was a gentleman named Jean-Marie Lacroix. And if you're in Philadelphia or if you know anything about the culinary world, you know about Jean-Marie Lacroix. Jean-Marie Lacroix was um, the executive chef of the Four Seasons. He then left the Four Seasons and went to open up a restaurant called Lacroix at the Rittenhouse in Philadelphia. And I did my apprenticeship at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia. And I didn't learn how to cook from this guy, but I learned about what it was like to be a chef from this guy. And the, 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 the pride and the esteem that he had for what he did was, was unmatched. You know, I, I remember walking into work or I'd be in the work in the, in, in the mornings. I worked from like seven to three doing garmanger and then I would leave the four seasons and I would go to my next job at four o'clock where I worked from four to nine at Restaurante San Marco, which was this very high-end Italian place in Philadelphia as well. And then I would leave there and I would go and bounce at a bar from 10 o'clock until we finished cleaning up until four o'clock in the morning. And, and that was my paying job. And I made eight bucks an hour as a bouncer. And I worked at the Four Seasons and I worked at San Marco for free because they were my apprenticeships. That's what you did. That's what I was told to do was to get a great apprenticeship. So I did that. One of the coolest things that I got from that was was watching this man walk through the dining room and or walk through the kitchen. And he would say hello to every person that worked in that kitchen and he would shake their hand and thank them for being there. And there was one day uh, that he was in the kitchen and he was there before I had gotten there, which was weird. But I remember him walking over to me and saying to me, was everything okay yesterday? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, chef, of course. I mean, like the executive chef, Jean-Marie Lacroix, the godfather of all Philadelphia kitchens, is standing in front of me asking me if everything was okay yesterday. And I was like, uh, yes, yes, chef. I mean, everything. And he said, because you left and you, 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 you left like in very, very quickly, like in hurriedly, I think. 
And it's because I was running late for my next job and I had, I was in the pantry and I remember I was making this fucking salad for this guy named David Gottlieb, who was the Garmanger chef at the Four Seasons. Super good dude. I enjoyed working with him. And, and I walked into the walk-in and my sleeve got caught on the handle of the walk-in and I dumped the whole salad all over the ground. And I had to, I had to, I had to make another batch before I left because of the fact that they were needed it for that night for an event. So I was late. I was going to be late for work. I was late for my ride. So I rushed through making it. I ran out the back door. I don't even think I got changed. I think I wore my four seasons jacket to my next job, but that next day, Jean-Marie Lacroix said, like, was everything okay? Because you left pretty quick yesterday. And, you know, I explained it to him. And, but it, just that moment that this guy realized that a non-paid and unpaid apprentice, he noticed that. that. That made a big impact on me. And then I moved to Florida and I ended up going to work for this asshole who used to throw potatoes in plates. And it was kind of like, what, what happened to this perfect world that I lived in? I thought that's the way that chefs were. You know, and, and I never met another chef like him. So... I, I got to sit down with him last night and I had a conversation and, you know, I got a picture with him, which to me was really cool. Jean-Marie Lacroix is an icon, not only in my career, but in, uh, in the kitchens of Philadelphia and, and around the world. He was, uh, he was a, a phenomenal chef and still very much a very dapper individual. And I enjoyed talking to him last night. So I know he's not listening to this or anything, but Jean-Marie Lacroix, I want to thank you for, um, for what you, you, you showed me. Uh, the definition of what a chef is, which is an educator, a father, um, you know, a, uh, a counselor, uh, kind of a dick every now and then, like that time that I asked you for to get paid. And he said, well, you don't get paid. You go to the restaurant school. And that was the end of the conversation. You know, really, he did in a very nice dapper way. But that was a point where I learned that I was never going to get paid doing an apprenticeship. So um, it was kind of a cool thing. But so Jean-Marie Lacroix, thank you so much for that. I really had an amazing experience Monday night at this chef's role event that was put on a caribou cafe um, with uh, with the chefs that we had down there. Um, you know, uh, 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 Townsend Wentz, who is an unbelievable chef out of Philadelphia and did uh, just a, a purely a beautiful, beautiful courses last night. Hold on, let me see. I've got to pull this menu up uh, from what I was looking at last night because it was just, it was just so well executed. You know, it was just a really neat thing. So, two different chefs last night um, came together for this chef's role. Chef John Patterson, um, who did a, a beautiful job with all of his courses. The first one that he did was a pork secreto um, with scallop with a potato and green garlic. It was like a potato uh, puree that was in the base of it with some foam. And then we did a bone-in pork chop with fennel, orange, and smoked oats with beautiful greens across it. It was just a really nice dish. And then he finished up with a salted butter cake uh, with a chocolate cremeau and a pistachio that was excellent. I mean, it was just really well executed. And then on all of the front of house plates that they did, it was just really neat. Townsend Wentz uh, crushed it uh, with a lobster pork and crepiette um, with the uh, sauteed snow pea leaves, uh, black bacon XO lobster jus, which was awesome. I'm allergic to scallops and there's scallop in the XO jus, so I wasn't able to eat it, but um, they made a separate dish and put some beautiful pork jus on it um, that was just awesome. So um, then they finished up with a tomahawk pork chop, charred ramps, favas uh, with a tomato conserve, and then lardons. Uh, just, they just did a really nice job across the board. It was just a beautiful dish, and it was really neat to see. 
you know, to watch these guys utilize the plating in the way that they did and the way that front of house put it on as well as uh, 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 Caribou Cafe was pretty awesome. So, okay, so here's the deal. So in October uh, last year, um, I did an event uh, called Taste of Philadelphia that was really a neat event. And, uh, you know, you get to meet some pretty cool people when you do these things. Um, you know, G-Love and I became buddies through um, through the podcast and then ultimately ended up doing these taste events. And, um, you know, uh, and during this last one, I got to meet this dude, NFL player named Freddie Mitchell. Now, Freddie is uh, just a super good dude. I've had a lot of fun kind of following him the last bunch of months and um, becoming friendly with him over the last couple of months and really having an opportunity um, to, to get to talk to him. And, and we've become friends. Um, we're working on a little bit of a project right now together that I think is really cool. And, and I wanted to get him on because Freddie uh, is pretty controversial in some ways in the way that he talks about the NFL and the way that he talks about some of the players, especially in regards to the relationship that he had with Donovan McNabb, where he just said, like, the guy just didn't like him. So we didn't give him the opportunities that he deserved. And, you know, Freddie came out really strong, um, finishing up, uh, you know, with with, uh, uh you know, with some really big plays coming into the end. Um, you know, the biggest play obviously would be the fourth and 26 that everybody talks about Fred X, um, doing his big world, um, that he did, you know, and with the, uh, uh the play against the green Bay Packers, he was facing a fourth and 26 situation. He ended up catching that 28 yard pass from Donovan McNabb, which helped them to win in the overtime. Um, so, you know, really pretty cool, um, he finished that season with a career high of 35 catches for 498 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, in 2004, uh, T.O. came in and, uh, you know, really kind of opened it up. And it's kind of neat to listen to Freddie talk about the way that that opened up some stuff for him. And, and uh, you know, with uh, limited opportunities for Mitchell to really catch and it showed his frustration on the field. But anyway... Um, there was some really cool stuff that, that Freddie loves to talk about in regards to what it was like to be able to play with an athlete like that. So it's kind of cool. Um, but so uh, without further ado, I, I want everybody to put your hands together and, uh, you know, turn your uh, turn the podcast up and get the kids out of the room because I like to curse, as you all know. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, do me a huge favor and welcome to the show. Mr. Freddie Mitchell, man. Fred X. Hello. Look at that deep, sexy voice in the morning. Man, you know I got to, man. You never know who's going to call for child support. (laughs) (laughs) The only answer that I would expect out of you in the morning, which is something that I would never expect, is that right there. (laughs) What's up, man? How are you? (laughs) I'm all right. I'm all right. What's going on? What's going on? Are we on the show right now? What's the deal? Yeah, man, this is called Duffified Live, not Duffified Let's Talk About It Later. Nice. I we are that. live I and ready that. to go. That's good. That's no, good. it's just, That's you good, know what? Man. We have found that uh, it's just more fun this way. You can talk, by the way, Freddie. By the way, everybody, this is Freddie Mitchell, who we've got on the show this morning. Um, and, Freddie, you can talk about, ready for this, anything you fucking want to. You can I curse. You can talk shit about people. You can do whatever you want because if I don't have an E next to my show, then I'm not uh-huh. happy. So that's what I got. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Where are you today? I'm in, I'm, I'm in Philly. I'm in Philly. I'm, I'm in Philly. I'm about to go get a haircut. I got to look fresh. I got to look good. Uh, you know, like I always got to look good. We're going out tonight. Yes. We're, we're going, going out to tonight. Uh, R2L. We're going to R2L. We're doing a, th- a little thing called Foodie Chats, 
which is a guy named Steve Green who does these really cool events all over the country and he brings together some food people and just really cool people like yourself and we're going to go. We'll have a couple cocktails at R2L with some good food and then hopefully we're going to go out after that. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, uh, I, I cleared the whole day out for you so we can go and do some things, man. I, I, I love what you're doing, bro. I mean, you're, you're, you're making food great again. Shit. I'm trying to have fun, dude. That's kind of the whole part of it. I got caught up in this weird world of, of pretentious bullshit, and now mm-hmm. I'm not. So I'm good. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you know the, thing about, the thing about it, though, man, I mean, if you're the happy you are, you know what I'm saying? The longer you live, you know, and it's, it's all about living a, a great quality, long life. You know what I mean? I agree, dude. So hold on, Freddie. One of the things that I do right when I start off is I ask three very simple questions of who are you, what do you do, and how can we get in contact with you? And that's pretty much tell me your name, tell me what you do or have done, and give us all your contact stuff, which, by the way, is a boatload of fun to follow, just so you know. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, my name is Freddie Mitchell. I'm a first round draft pick for the Philadelphia Eagles, former NFL, uh, playing many of Super Bowls, many of even uh, only one. Um, you can, if you want to reach me, <laughs> if you want to reach me, just reach me on, on my Instagram, fmitchell84. And uh, I'm lucky to um, to have uh, one of the blue verified checks or whatever they want, you know, whatever them things right are. There. Then they know it's. They know it's the real me. So F Mitchell 84, follow me. I love it. I love it. I love it. And now I'm in Philadelphia just living life, loving life and helping people. I'll tell you what. I love following your Instagram, dude. It's a riot because you you literally do live life. I mean, that's why I said to you, where are you this morning? Because you had a picture of like it's it, it, like you were in Vegas or something last night. Costa, yeah, well, well, you were in Costa Rica was, the other was, day. Last week I was in Costa Rica. Yeah, I mean that's what I do, man. I, I'm, I'm around. I get invites. Uh, people, uh, people, people actually like me, so they 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 invite me out places, and I and I go, man. I, I, I that song probably was written about me living your best life. I think that was, I think that song was written about me. <laughs> we'll run with it. I think we'll take all royalties and just pass them right over to you. Nice. I love you. You know about royalties. I love going to the mailbox and seeing the things come in. Mailbox money. Mailbox money. Yes. It's good stuff. Yes, yes. So did I, so, did I answer the three questions? The three questions are, uh, were good? You did. Freddie Mitchell, uh, first-round draft pick for the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, F. Mitchell, 84. We got all that stuff covered. That's okay. good. All right. Good. So let's – I want to start – I want to start at the beginning because I'll tell you one of the coolest things that I think that happens – is the kind of the life of a professional athlete. And because I know you now, I want to get into some of that stuff too, but I really want to get into, I mean, like, where did it start? Where was your, where did you find that first time that you were like, man, I love football or I'm good at this, or I could do something with this? Well, you know, the funny thing about it is I really never really loved football. I only did it for appreciation and uh, to be cool in front of my peers. You know, I just felt, yeah. damn, I'm faster than the normal. I'm faster than the normal white guy. Damn, I'm faster than the normal black guy. Maybe I should try <laughs> maybe, go, <laughs> maybe I should go into sports. And, uh, you know, it, it, sports really gave me the structure and discipline to become successful in everything else. So, I mean, I really never really loved it. But when I was in college and 
you know, these guys were like all Americans and everything else and all the, all the little accolades that they did. And I was busting their ass on the field. I was just like, bro, if you're all American and you're this and, and, and you left and you went to the pros, I said, this is going to be pretty simple. I mean, so you went from you went from high school and then you were recruited to UCLA? Yes, yes. I went to high school straight. I was a blue chip uh, All-American or whatever they called it. And then I went straight to UCLA, took my five recruiting trips. I did Miami. I did uh, Michigan State. I did Florida, Florida State and uh, UCLA. Wow. Was, uh, the one that I fell in love with. I fell in love with the blonde hair, blue eyed uh, white girls in, uh, in Bel Air. Oh, man. Another black guy trying to steal our white girls. Well, no, I don't even want to steal them. I'll give them back. <laughs> I had I had an Uber driver yesterday, man. This kid's name was Sean, and he I was telling him about a friend of mine, and he's like, man, he's like, man, I love the white girls. He's like, I love your white girls, dude. I just love your white girls. He must have said it ten times while we were in the car. He was a funny, funny dude. So, so you know, you, why you know did you? Choose, so what? No, no, you go ahead. Like, you think it's what? You're like, what? Because I know you're going to say something crazy and you know, over the top. I know. Yeah, I just think, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's when you told us that we can't have it for so long. And then, you know, we all, we all, all of a sudden get these rights. We can go ahead and we can go ahead and hook up with anything. You know, it's, it's amazing, you know? It's like a fat kid who's not allowed to eat a Snickers bar. And then he goes to college yeah. and all he does is eat Snickers bars. Oh, man, it's amazing. Yes. Okay. So... So the main reason why you chose UCLA was because of the blondes. Because there's no, blondes in Florida. Make, you know what? Hollywood. Hollywood. I love, I love Hollywood. I'm, I'm, I know you can hear me as I speak that I'm, the, the education is there. You know, the proper English and everything else. I love, of course. I love the whole prestigiousness of, uh, of, of UCLA. And I just wanted to get away, man. Because when I was in Lakeland, Florida, it, it's all just rednecks, Mexicans, and white boy and black people. You know, I'm just like, man, I need a little diversity. You know, right? Oh, I mean, Florida alone is kind of a weird place, dude. And look, and I love Florida. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love Florida. I love going down there. I love hanging out. But it's like there's there's they're either transplants or they're they're locals that live down there and it's you know it's like i said to somebody the other night i was in florida a couple weeks ago i had an appearance and i was signing autographs for something and this girl walks over and i said oh what's your name and she said lee and i literally looked at her and i said l-e-i-g-h and she's like no l-e-a-y-r-6-4-2 not like you know because i don't know what it is about florida people but they all spell their names weird it's like they just throw in extra letters is so bad and then it's cut like the south south florida is just cut and it's all spanish you know what i'm saying it's just like the the spanish is the first language down there you know well it's like miami is like north cuba right i mean it's it's literally northern cuba i mean the whole the the latin influence alone of being down there and now where's where's lakeland lakeland is uh is central it's right in between tampa and orlando right on good old i-4 Oh, okay. All right. I know where that is. I know that side. Um, I opened a place up in Tampa, up in, uh, do you know where Bradenton, Bradenton is? Bradenton. Yeah. Absolutely. Outside of- I, I, I was at IMG Academies, uh, with, uh, Nick Bolletieri. I used to go there, um, to work out and uh, train for football. Oh, no. They call it Carney town. Cause that's where all the carnival workers, cause that's where all the carnival workers live. And it's like, I, I, I don't, I don't know what, 
It's a weird part of town. When we moved in, at, so I opened up a gastro pub in a movie theater. They built this movie theater uh, right off of I four, whatever that main highway is, and mm-hmm. or, I don't even know. I ten. I have no idea what it is. But there I were four. two trailer parks. I four. Okay, so there were two trailer parks right on the side, or two trailers on the driveway leading into the movie theater, and they had to ask them to remove if they would mind removing their Confederate flags. Because of the fact that they, it was going to offend some of the people. So they said, no problem. And I'm not kidding you, Freddie. They came back with bigger flagpoles and eight foot by 10 foot flags that they just hung up. And the whole area around it is like storage for all the carnival, you know, the rides and the, and all the other stuff that goes with it. And it's all the people that, that work in the carnivals that live in this little area. It's a weird area, dude. It's a weird, oh, weird man, area, man. Trust me. I, I've seen many little pockets in Florida that is just considered strange, very strange. And that's why, yeah. uh, you know, I wanted to get away from that. I wanted to go to California. I want, I mean, I, I, I love that. I love the weather there. And I just wanted to do something different because every athlete in Florida, they pretty much stick to Florida, Florida State, and Miami. And, right. Uh, right. I, just wanted, I wanted to be different, man. I wanted to get out there and I wanted to see the world. Well, and so you go up left over, you know, to the the West Coast. And right. funny, my daughter was dying to go to UCLA as well. Now, now or UCLA as well. As well. Now it is a there's a one percent out of state acceptance rate. And from what I understood through all the recruiting, because my daughter was recruited as well, was that uh, that most of the freshmen are now on a five year plan because of the fact that they have admitted so many in state students that these kids can't get into classes to be able to get their uh, their requirements for graduation. So they have to go for five years. You know, and, and I believe it. I mean, I, a lot of a lot of the schools now are, are pretty much five years. You know, it's just that you know, if you want to really get a good grade and be able to study and and do what you need to do to pass, I mean, you, you can't you can't take the caseloads that you you used to uh, could. Uh, so it's a uh, it's different, man. They want to stretch that money too. We get you there for five years instead of four. Let, let let's go. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So now, so what's it like? I mean, you leave, you leave central Florida, you know, you've been playing and busting your ass for the last four years playing high school. Now, now you're, you're in front of, I mean, what, what does the stadium at UCLA hold? 70,000 people. I mean, what is that? The Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl. So I don't know how much, how many, how many I thought the Rose Bowl is, you know, upper seventies, you know, 80, maybe, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's all of a sudden a big deal, you know. But but well, you I gotta find out it, how many people. Yeah, but you know, Florida, Florida, um, Florida football is, is pretty big itself anyway. So you know, uh, it's uh, and it really doesn't matter how many people it is. Uh, when if you're a player and you're out and you're, and you're in that on that platform, you really you know you're really zoned in. You don't really understand the the, the magnitude of uh, of thousands of people who are watching your every move. How about ninety two thousand five hundred and forty two, Freddie? Yeah, yeah. How about a hundred thousand, Fred? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what? What is that? So your first time. I mean, you're practicing. You're running with the team. You've been recruited there, and you run out onto the field. What? What is? What is exploding through your brain? Man, it, it's just. It's. It, it's. It's. You know, it's funny. It's just like now I'm appreciated. You know, it's like all that. All the hard work 
that you put in. I mean, and you can, I can let me put it here. It's just like when you when you go in and, and and you're making that big feast and you and you and you and you and you crush it. You put your all into it, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody's sitting at that dinner table and they're eating your food and they're just you know it's it's ready to go. I mean, it's just appreciation and just love, man. It's just like man, and finally I get to see the the benefits from all that hard work. That's just, I mean, the the feeling of of I just can't even imagine. By the way, dude, I'm looking at a picture of you. It's fucking euphoric, bro. It's amazing. (laughs) Dude, I'm looking at a picture of you in 2002. Oh, shit. (laughs) You were were like a little kid, man. You were just a little kid. Yeah, man. man. Five foot 11, 184 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, now, now, now. NFL draft. Yeah, now I'm six foot and six foot 220 easily. (laughs) Goodness gracious. (laughs) <laughs> so you play you're playing through all four years of college and i mean what was what is what is college like for somebody who's recruited and who is as good as you at this point i mean were there were there were there were you taking easy classes were you busting your ass i mean what was your degree yeah how do you take easy classes at ucla let me let me let me please help me fig- please please help me figure that one questions. out i would love to know <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, what like what was your what were you majoring in? I majored. Uh, I did. I, I started. I was going in social, and then I wanted. I ch- I changed the history, but I, I just didn't, didn't know what really what I was going to do. So what I what I really did was take the the main general um, general electives, so I could you know so I could graduate whatever I need to do, and they call it GEs. Um, and I just, you know, I, I just was, it probably ended up with history. I left my junior year, so I really didn't, I, I haven't finished yet. I, I just, um, you know, I, I knew that uh, football was what I was trying, what I was trying to uh, have as an occupation and uh, got that opportunity. That's awesome, dude. So I mean, how big of a decision were you sitting around at that point? Like, all right, I'm rolling out of college and I'm going pro. I mean, was it an easy sure. decision for you or was it something that you really went back and forth on? Yeah, it was pretty easy. I mean, once I broke, uh, broke every every receiver that uh, was at UCLA, including JJ Stokes. I broke his record as single season uh, receiving record, and um, at the year before, two years before, I I broke my femur bone. So I mean, yeah, it was dude, wait, like, you know I didn't what? even I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I broke. Yep, my first my my first game, my first. Uh, year after I broke my femur bone. So I just, you know, I was like, okay, this, this game is not a promise. You can get injured in one, one, one time, one, uh, one place. So I said, you know what? I can always come back to school and get a degree or whatever else. I said, you know, the NFL is not there for, you know, not there for long. So I took advantage of it. Right. Makes sense. I mean, especially after, I mean, especially after having a major injury like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at that point, so let's see in 99, in 99, uh, 38 receptions, 533 yards. Mm-hmm. Finalist of Pac-10 honors the conclusion of the season. In the 2000 Sun Bowl, he had nine catches for a Sun Bowl record of 180 yards. Declared uh, the NFL draft following the 2000 Sun, Sun season. Sun Bowl MVP. I mean, so Sun, Bowl, I, Sun, Bowl, Sun Bowl MVP. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I missed that line. Um, <laughs> so you go, so you make that decision to go pro, and then I, I mean, because for me, the whole the whole idea of the progression of it. 
is what really intrigues me. You know, the idea of you, you growing up in Florida and saying, all right, well, I'm getting some recognition for playing and, and you know what I'm, I'm getting ass or whatever it is. I think I'm going to go and play in college, you know, and then you go to college and you realize the high level of, of the intensity of the sport at that point, you have a major setback with a femur being broken, which is not, I mean, that's right. the largest bone in the goddamn body. You're like building you break this your up for like, like a Tiger Woods ending. I love this shit. Keep it going. Well, well, one, because I fucking love you, Freddie. I mean, I, I met you. You and I met in October, and I remember shaking your hand, and I was like, this is a motherfucker that I'm going to hang out with. Like, I like this dude. We're going to have some fun together. So, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I just I think it's super cool, man, because the whole process and the dedication and, and what it right. takes to actually do what – because in reality, exactly a lot of it is it's fucking superhuman yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, and especially right. now, I mean, you were playing it. You were drafted so so 2001, and I, I mean, and you ran hard, man. I mean, you ran hard for fucking four years just in yeah, the NFL. It was, yeah, it was hard. I mean, the, the average the average expectancy in the league is literally uh, two years, and probably a little bit less now. Every year, every year it gets less. I mean, it's just. I mean, you're expendable, man. It's 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 a, it's a hard it's a hard occupation to stay afloat and, and to be to be great at. Well, and that's and that's something that I want to get into because I do want to talk about the NFL stuff and and all that. So, 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 what is? I, I mean, I I know what I felt like when I got into culinary school. Like I knew, like the 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 pride that I felt when they called me because they actually called me and said, "Hey, we want to let you know that you've been accepted to school." And like for me, that was huge. And I was a wrestler, and I played rugby, and I played soccer, and I played football, and I was a great athlete as a kid, but I never took it to the level that you guys did. But, but for me, I mean, I know the pride that I felt for that point. So now the pride of you going to UCLA, having a great career at that point, and then making that decision to go pro, I mean, and now you're standing around as a first round draft pick. Like what the fuck does that feel like, dude? You know what? It's so crazy. You say that because they were, you know, you would think you would get from me that answer of man, it was absolutely amazing. It was amazing. I couldn't tell you, you know, it, it, it it really, it really didn't feel that well because it was all I've, I've always tried to have. I've always been living that life of, okay, now I got to prove this person wrong. Now I got to prove that I'm worth this. Now I got to prove to this person that I can do this. So it was kind of like, you know, it was, it was, I, I couldn't really appreciate what happened and what, what I did because I was still trying to prove people wrong. You know, I, I had, I saw a couple right. receivers that got drafted in front of me. So I'm like, oh, and there a couple teams that I thought that were going to pick me. So I'm like, oh man, okay, I'm going to prove them that I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to be the best of best. And it's just, you know, it was run, my whole, my whole uh, NFL career was trying to prove people wrong and still get appreciation uh, from people, which is what I tried to do in high school. So it was just, you know, it was just, you just, you can't win for anything, you know, and it just, it, it really did suck at, at a point. Wow. So, I mean, and, and at that point, I mean, you, I know there was a whole bunch of shit that with Donovan McNabb and all that stuff, and we don't, we don't even have to get into all that shit. Cause I really don't even, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know yeah, that much about it or any of that. Yeah. Well, I, I, t I tell you about it. And it's just, it's real simple, man. It's like, uh, it's, it's no matter how hard or no matter how much you do, uh, in football or in sports, it's not, um, that, that has to do with a team concept. Success is situational. You know, you have to wait for yeah. this guy to throw you the ball. You have to wait for this guy to call the play. Now, when that happens, everybody has to do their their their, their job. And it just sucks because 
success is situational, you know. Not it's not really that much that situational for like uh, individual sports or individual guys, like maybe a pitcher or or Tiger Woods at golf or a tennis player or whatever else. So it was like you know, with me, right? I, I had to develop a relationship, and everybody knows this in sports, you know, especially when it comes to maybe a point guard or a setter in volleyball. Or, 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 you know, a quarterback, if they don't like you, they can dictate your success in, you know, in, in the league. Sure. Yeah, you know that as, 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 a, as, a, as a sports player as well. So that's what sucked. You know, he was kind of a dick and, 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 and he was kind of a company boy and he would never throw me the ball and it kind of sucked. Wow. I mean, there were, I mean, you had, I mean, there were multiple plays where the opportunities were there for you as well that, I mean, people saw, they watched, they, you know, I mean, it's been written about, it's, it's all, it's all been documented. Um, I mean, and, and the feelings that you had towards that were, were pretty big, you know? <clears throat> yeah. And, and the thing about and, it was, it was the opportunities that I got was on situations that if I would have failed, I would have been freaking ridiculed and freaking, oh my God. you know, hard and feathered i hate to say that but yeah i mean it's just it's just and then that's what i'm like damn you're gonna put me in a situation trying to set me up for failure uh which for the only opportunity i'm ever gonna get okay let me try to make the best of it and do what i can do so it was just sure. it sucked at a, it sucked at a point you know yeah I mean, was there was there an animosity that would happen within the the players and I mean itself, or was this something that was really just more felt on the field? Uh, yeah, it, it's you know it, it's funny it's it, it's more so you know it was just a Donovan man. Donovan did not want anybody to outshine him. Donovan didn't want anybody to get more recognition that he 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 was getting, and it was just wow. a, it was just a character flaw that he had that you know we had to live with, and the the you know the organization spent a hundred million dollar contract on this guy. So they're going to make him and they're going to make him seem like he's somebody he really isn't, you know? Yeah. Wow. So what is that like? I mean, for four years you're playing, I mean, I mean, in Philly alone, I mean, Philly's a tough town, dude. I mean, especially when it comes to sports. Well, this is the thing though. This is what I love so, so much about Philly is that, they, they they can see a bullshitter, and they didn't like Donovan, and they booed his ass, and I and I love and I love that because they saw a real dude. So I, <laughs> what I did was I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do what I need to do for them not to boo me, and for them to see that I'm a hard worker, and for them to love me. And right. he, and, and, and Don, Donovan hated that. The city, you know, the city loved you know hard working hard working people. And they saw that. Always have. And 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 that and that's why I love that. And that's why I'm here now. That's why I live here because I'm just like you know what, Philly. I get you. I understand you. You know, and uh, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's and and the and the growth of Philly and the way that that it's really changed over the last. I mean, you know, you came in here in 2001, right? 2001. Right. Yes. Yeah. So. I mean, the city's had a massive, massive change since then. I mean, and and the the franchise of of the Eagles alone has had major changes. I mean, how does that? Do you have yeah. any kind of? Are, are you involved with with the NFL at this point in any way? I mean, do you do anything with them? And what is that like? No, not not, not really. I mean, we have an NFL PA, and we have the you know the alumni and everything else. But the the, the Eagles as an organization, they they. You know, if you're not making the money and you're, you know, you, they don't want to have nothing to do with you. You know, they have their little podium sure, boys that they, that they have, 
uh, like Ryan Dawkins and everything that, you know, that, that, that tries to, you know, speak for the rest. But I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, it's, uh, you're not playing, you know, get the hell away. Right. Yeah. Seriously. Jeez. So it's, it's a cut, it's a cutthroat industry. You know, it is what it is. And once you learn that, and uh, once you're able, then that's what I do, man. I, I build outside of the organization. I, I was fortunate enough to ha- be able to have that kind of a platform as far as the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and I, don't, I don't need you to build. You know, I, I will go and I will be on uh, famous, famous stations like, you know, yours, Brian, and, you know, you know, and get myself <laughs> out there, you know? Well, and that's – I mean that is really what it comes down to. I mean it, it's it's almost like – you know, one of the things that I see a lot with professional athletes after their careers is what do they really do? You know, I mean, what, what is your next what is the next thing you do? You've just spent four, six, eight, ten years busting your ass for an organization, you know, that right. you were a full blown commodity. That's exactly what right. you were for that organization. You were a commodity. It, it, right. Just the same as and, – and I mean I hate to diminish this and don't take this in any way offensive. But the same as I would look at, at an onion. The onion is something that I need to make money off of. If I just right. look at that onion and it's bad, I'm going to toss it. I'm going to get rid of it because I'm not going to make any money off of that. If it's a smaller I onion mean, I, than the rest I'm of the onions. Good. I'm damaged goods. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your, your, your brain yeah. I mean I wake up maybe like, okay – once every, uh, probably I have like three like real bad migraines every every, every month. Maybe three to five, three to seven. Really? It varies or whatever else. But it's just like I can't do anything. But I shut the day down. Like I'll lock myself in a dark room and I will take my medicine. Yeah. And I'm and I'm completely numb to the world. You know, it's just like they don't see that. They don't see the extremities like my knees, my joints, and everything that that you know are cursing me out every step. You know, and it's just. You know, we, they're doing a lot better. They're doing a lot better, but, you know, they they, they could be doing better, you know, they, uh, more, you know. And it's just you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, the, the sacrifice that you go through because it's not like it's not a four-year. It's not a four years you played, uh, you should be okay. No, I've been doing this since I was five years old to, to, to be able to, to get this job, you know. So it's a lot of power and a lot of wear and tear. But I mean, so, so, I mean, and that is something that, that we, you don't hear much about. I mean, it's starting to come out a little bit more now where we're hearing the side effects of, of, of what professional athletes have gone through. I mean, you look back in the days, I mean, even 15 years, 10 years before you went pro, I mean, dude, some of these, like, look at the helmets. You know, I yeah. mean, look at the helmets that they were wearing. It was a piece of plastic that, that, you know, with some styrofoam padding on the inside of it that they were wearing. And I mean, and, and you guys were taking full blown open field tackle, crushing blows. And you even right. said it to me the other day. I mean, when I was, you know, I shot, took a picture of me getting a cortisone shot in my foot and you had said something to me like, you know, getting hit and, and pounded into the ground. I mean, just right. clocked and, like midfield. And, yeah, and, and the thing that you and, and the thing that you said too, as far as just the sickness that you you thrive to get hit, and you love that 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 violence and that contact, you know, and it, it, it is crazy that uh it, that that happens. Like it's just it just becomes a way of life, and you just get used to it. So it's uh it's definitely. I mean, you you put all that and 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 throw the quarter zone shots, throw the uh, throw the uh, all the toward all shots and all these kind of things that you know to be able to mask your issue and mask uh, uh your injuries 
I mean, it's it's not it's not really it's not a good you know it's not a good um, it's not a good cocktail. So, out of the four years that you that you fully played pro, how how, how many times? And I don't know. This is going to be a weird question. How many times do you feel that you were actually one hundred percent? In 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 the best shape that you could. I mean, and I'm not even saying the best shape because because you're 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 still an athlete. You work out. You look good. You know, it's not like you've let yourself go. But but I mean that you were in the best shape in regards to your health for playing. How many times in four years do you feel? I mean, fifty percent, ten percent. I don't think I've ever been a hundred percent in the NFL. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Never. And it's and it's just a masking situation. It's a cortisone yeah, I mean, shot. It's a tramadol. It's, yeah, you know, I've never had to go one practice without taking drugs. You know, and I've never had to go one play wow. with. You know, it, yeah, that's just, and then it just is your your, your body's you know used to it. You know, that is just that is what it is. And I mean, and then they 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 they, they mask it with the bright lights and the eighty thousand and the NFL and everything, the TVs and the, and the millions of dollars. Yeah. But you know. One, one, one thing that I don't understand is it's just like, you know, you know, it's they talk about us making millions. I'm like, well, shit, if the owners are able to afford to pay us millions, how much are they fucking making? If the Phillies can pay a player three hundred three hundred million dollars, how much yes. how much of the owner? I mean, business sense, if you have any business, sense, how, how, how much money are they making? How much money are they really, really making? <laughs> exactly. And so the funny part about it is the NFL. Go ahead. But the NFL is also a nonprofit organization. Am I correct? They have yeah, don't they? Yeah, but yeah. I, and I mean, I say that I say that with with a, with a grain of salt, obviously. But but if I'm not mistaken, they don't pay taxes correctly. Am I right? Uh, NFL. Know, I, I would think I would think that you know, uh, there's the way they are structured that they uh, definitely not paying. Uh, uh, the taxes that that a, a normal person are, would be paying. Right. So, so actually, I just tight. I just did. Is NFL a tax exempt nonprofit? Um, announced Tuesday that it's voluntarily relinquishing its tax. So they've gotten rid of their tax exempt status, is what they're saying at that point. And that was in two thousand. 18. Okay. Well, who knows? I mean, either way, it doesn't matter because we're never, I'm never going to make that money that the owners of this, these, these organizations are going to make. I mean, there's just hey, no way in hell. I mean, if you think you, you and me both, I mean, you know, unless, I'm, unless I'm winning a lottery, man, because I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that speed of a Freddie Mitchell. Hey, you, 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 but the thing about it is even if you did, you know how many, how many, you know, Different, you know, things that have to happen for for it to even be, you know, for it even to happen then. You know, it's crazy. I mean, how was there? Were 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 these colleges that you went to look at? Were they banging your door down, or did you go to look for them? No, and I I have a question, and I have have a reason for asking this. Yeah, I had cases of letters. I had cases of cases, shoeboxes of letters, and them asking me, and all of them coming to the school and trying to, you know. And trying to uh, try to get me to, uh, to to come out there and, uh, and and choose their school, you know. I mean, my daughter's four foot eleven. She's a coxswain for crew. She's that little tiny person who sits up front. And I mean, I, you know, I, pay, I had to pay eight hundred bucks to put her into a website called NCSA so that we could get her recognized by colleges. You know, I mean, yeah, because there's just that's the direction that it is now. Yeah, it's different. I mean, if I if I were, I mean, it's, it's even even this. I mean, like 
like Instagram now. Like in 2001 to 2005 when I played, um, they didn't have Instagram, you know? So it's just like, like now they have Instagram and I have, you know, maybe 40,000 followers or whatever else. Imagine if I had an Instagram at the time that, you know what I'm saying, we, that, that I was oh, playing sure. with the Philadelphia Eagles with the Super Bowl. Sure. I would have, I would Absolutely. have millions. Just, I, I, people know me out here. I walk the street. People know me more than, than, the, than the players that are playing now, you know? That are now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, you're right. So, I, so I agree. It, I do agree. And so it's amazing how just, you know, just, you know, how, how, how it is and how, how things change um, uh, in, in the game, you know. And, and now they got guys like me and you that are professionals and we've sacrificed so much. We're trying to get followers now. Like, what the fuck? Where the hell they do that at? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's, we I mean, to- and that's what's kind of cool because, yeah. I mean, your, your, your stuff is all natural. That's the thing is that that you're the followers that you have are natural followers. And we had this conversation right. the other day about people that right. buy followers. You know, I, I interviewed a woman on the show once who had one hundred and forty thousand followers. Four thousand of those one hundred and forty thousand followers were actually real. It's oh like, you know, God. that you can find that stuff out and, and people are doing it because they want to be that influencer. It's that same thing that's going on with Lori Laughlin's daughter right now. Like the girl yeah. who went to UCLA because her parents bought yeah. her in, which we, we can talk yeah. about that if you want to. But it, but she's wow. pissed off because all of her money's going away and she doesn't have the fame that she had before because she's like, my mother did it. It wasn't me. Everybody come back and like me again. Yeah. yeah and that's it's the crazy. thing, man. She, 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 she said that. And only, and, and they they they're all the same. They they're the same people. And then the thing and, and 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 like it or not, even if you know what I'm saying, she has no followers or whatever else. Society has structured them to always get a second or third chance. You know what I'm saying? Right. If that if that if that, exactly. if, if that was Jim from Northeast Philly, he fucking be be be, be done. You know. Jim, poor Jim. <laughs> he always gets the shaft. Every goddamn you know time, saying? gets the shaft. Um. So. I mean, so now, now what's, what's kind of some of the major stuff that you're working on these days? Man, I'm I mean, you and I have had our conversations, which, which we're not talking about right now. We're going to talk about what you and I, what we worked on, which I'm finalizing some of that stuff for you. And I'm going to make those connections so you can get that stuff. We're not going to tell anybody what it is, but, but right now, what do you got? What are you working on right now? Um, uh, right now, I actually know it's going to be huge. So right now I actually have a, um, have a couple of facilities that I'm open. I'm, I'm, I'm really big into mental health uh, and mental health awareness. So my foundation uh, is has a lot to do with mental health awareness and, and getting people help uh, with non-invasive treatments and stuff like that uh, as far as uh, reaching out to depression and, and addiction and stuff like that. Um, I, I am almost about a month or two away, uh, a month or two away from um, – opening up a real facility was getting you uh, uh depression therapy and everything else. So it's just a, I love helping people. That's like, that's like my, my, that's what my purpose in life is. I think just to make people smile and make people have uh, a quality life. Yeah. I want to, I actually, I want to, I want to back up for one sec if you don't mind, dude, I do. I want to, I want to know what, what it was like when T.O. came out after all the shit that happened and then we recruited him for the Eagles. What, what was that like? What was that like in the locker room? I mean, what was that like? Did they walk, you know, was there a big pomp and circumstance or were they like, Oh, by the way, we got a new quarterback. Um, 
T- T- I mean, Terrell Owens was one of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life. I mean, to this day, he's just he was just like that. And what a great teammate he was. And that's what I was just crazy yeah. how the, the media misconstrued uh, or not even misconstrued or just, you know, put him to be someone he really wasn't. Man, that, 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 that guy was a great dude. And when he came into town, it was, uh, it was you know, it was kind of like Bryce Harper, how he elevates everybody else's game so they can play their play playing better. That's how, that's how he was. That's how I felt. Um, you know, when, when he came in, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad that every, all the attention is here now in Philadelphia. So now everybody can really see how much I've been busting my ass and how much I've been, you know, trying to, you know, make right. things happen. So it was a blessing in the skies, you know? I mean, were you guys hearing any of the any of the the stuff that we were? I mean, you know, obviously there was the whole thing with the dog fighting and and everything that was going on in, in that background. Or were you guys just like we've got the we literally right now have the greatest quarterback that's out there? Well, well no, 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 no. But this is the thing: like me and me and Terrell didn't play with uh, Michael Vick though. Oh, why did I say why did I say Michael Vick? What the fuck am I talking about? That was talking totally out of it. I'm talking about T.O. Why did I bring up Vick? Jesus, I'm bringing up dog fighting. I'm in a whole different fuck. Sorry about that. I'm talking about T.O., man. My bad. But I mean, one of the big things about T.O. was the fact that, I mean, he was the ultimate athlete. I mean, he was the epitome of it. And when he came in, I mean, it was just like, you know, I mean, he was controversial at the time and with some of the stuff that he was doing. But he was also the I mean, he was, you know, he was the epitome of an athlete, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, just every part of it. That's why. Yeah, and that's why he's a Hall of Fame player right now. I'm I'm, I'm gonna be flying out right. to San Francisco as well to go and see him uh, uh, get inducted into the uh, into into the Forty Nineers Hall of Fame. And I mean everything else. I mean wow. it is what it is. Now he's being appreciated, and he's done. He's he's doing what I've been trying to do for years, and he's actually got that done. And that's what I'm so why I'm so happy for him. That's cool, man. And are you guys still buddies? Or you guys? I mean, is there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we talk, awesome, we talk uh, maybe once a week or whatever else. I FaceTime him or whatever else. It, 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 we have fun, man. He's a good dude. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then now with your with your charity and stuff that you're getting involved in and that you're creating right now, I mean, that's going to be full-blown in Philadelphia? Yeah. Start start that. Philadelphia is my foundation. I love Philly. Uh, I, 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 I want to help Philly out, and I want to, you know – I want to. I want to have that whole atmosphere of just not being miserable and having a great quality of life, and appreciating <laughs> the little things in life. I just want. I want all of that. That's cool, man. And so your and your daughter lives in Philly as well. So you've got like yeah, my you know, your family's my, right my here. Yeah, everybody's here. I got some family in, in, in with the rednecks down in Florida, but uh, pretty much you know my, <laughs> my family's here. <laughs> That's funny, dude. Uh, the rednecks it's crazy it's just you know i mean look florida hey i apologize florida and i know freddie's from florida but florida's just a funny place man it's like it literally was it was a swampland and they were like let's put a house here let's put a shopping mall here let's get all the old people from across the country to come here let's put a big fucking mouse in the center of the goddamn state and make everybody come and visit us when it's 900 degrees in the middle of august and I was like, Walt I can't Disney. wait to go to Florida. I, 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 I blame Fuck. Walt Disney for that. Yeah, I agree. Walt Disney, selfish <laughs> prick. Freezing himself so he can bring himself back later on in life. What's going to happen is it's going to get so hot, it's so damn hot in Florida that the cryogenics is going to fail and he's going to wake up. 
Jesus. <laughs> Crazy. Um, well, Freddie, hey, but, dude, I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm stoked for tonight, man. We're going to have a little bit of fun. You're going to meet some of my buddies. And actually, one of my dear friends, Nick Liberato, is coming out with us. Nicky lives in L.A. Um, he's a world-traveling chef. His family lives over here in Yardley. Super talented dude. Big, huge Philly guy, man. His grandparents had produce stands down on 9th Street in the Italian market in like the 50s, 60s, 70s. So like back love in the it. heyday shit. Um, you're going to love Nicky Libs. He's a great guy. Um, and you're going to love some of the people that we're going to be able to meet tonight. And and I'm then after that, we're going out. To, I'm going to introduce you to uh, some friends of mine that I happen to call the coolest kids on earth, which are five friends of mine in Philadelphia who are just five of the coolest people um, that I hope you're going to you'll, you'll have some time to spend with us. So, um, dude, I appreciate you hopping on with me this morning. I really do. No problem, man. It's a pleasure coming on your show. I'm going to get my liver ready right now. I'm going to go ahead and go into uh, rental dialysis machines. I'm getting everything right so I can be able to, <laughs> to live to see another day. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going too hard tonight, but I have I say that now at, you know, 930 in the morning. That may change come nine o'clock tonight. So um, but uh, hey, Freddie, do me a favor real quick again. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do and how we can get in contact with you? What's going on? This is Freddie Mitchell, a.k.a. Fred X, former Philadelphia Eagles. Don't forget first round draft pick. If you want to get a hold of me. F Mitchell 84. That's my Instagram. I'm not going to give you my cell phone number until you slide in my DMs and you're looking pretty sexy. Hit me up. Oh, man. I do the real thing. <laughs> All right, Freddie. Well, cheers, brother. I appreciate your time, and uh, I'll talk to you in a bit, man. Bye. There you go, boys and girls. Talking to Freddie Mitchell, Philly favorite. Out there running hard every day. Uh, Freddie is a, a good dude, and um, I, I kind of we, we I've had some fun. I met him in October last year, um, doing an event with uh, with G Love and a couple of other people, and um, got to get out there and try to have some fun. And uh, we ultimately ended up uh, becoming buddies. And to me, um, you know, we've we've uh, hold on. Freddie's calling me real quick. Hold on, hold on, Freddie. Yeah, hold on, brother. You're still live. I'm I'm closing up my show, so don't say anything bad because you're still on the mic. All right, I'll call you back, dude. All right, bye. See you, man. <laughs> um, so uh, like I said, I met Freddie and and just kind of a really cool dude. Uh, you know, oddly enough, I mean, his confidence is out there, and and he's pretty outspoken about some of the stuff that happened with McNabb and um, you know, the 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 welcoming, uh, you know, the arms that were welcomed for for uh, for To when he had come in and stuff like that. I don't know where the fuck the Michael Vick stuff came from. That was just craziness. I don't even know what I was talking about there. But uh, uh, I, I you know, I enjoy Freddie. I, I really do. I'm stoked to um, to watch what he's doing move forward. Um, he and I've been working on a little bit of a project together that we're talking about, um, you know, with my knowledge of food and his knowledge of some marketing that he's been doing. Um, we're working on a couple fun little projects together. So who knows what could come out of that? You never know. But but one of the things that I love to really kind of dig into and dive into is I'm really interested in 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 that 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 feeling that 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 energy, that, that adrenaline rush of what it must be like to get, you know, drafted, to be able to run out onto a field where there's 92,000 people that are cheering. You know, I mean, I can't even imagine what that's like. You know, I know what I I know what it's like to come home and have my girls say hi to me. And I like that. I know what it's like to walk in the front door and have my puppy 
be excited for me. I can't imagine having 92,000 people, you know, wearing my jersey and and cheering my name as I walk out onto a field. That, that to me, that adrenaline rush is crazy. But then at the same time, I think one of the biggest things about it for me is – what that does to your psyche, you know, I mean, as you move forward, I mean, everywhere you go, you're being treated like royalty. Everywhere you go, um, you're given special treatment. Everywhere you go, you're given something for free or somebody wants something for you. And that's a big challenge. That's a big thing because when that, when that, that, that spotlight dies down a little bit of that limelight kind of breaks out a little bit, you know, somebody flicks that switch what that's like, um, and that's the type of stuff. That's why I ask the questions that I do about that, about what that feeling is like when you first have that run through. So, so that's, uh, that's what I got with big Freddie this week. Uh, I'm really stoked that we were able to get him on. I'll, I'll give you guys, you have to follow this dude on Instagram. Trust me, his picks and his stories are an absolute riot because he's all over the place. You know I mean? He's literally all over the place. That's why I'd ask him this morning where he was. Cause he had a picture of himself in Vegas last night. And I'm like, did you fuck, did you fly to Vegas? Like I, I had lunch with you yesterday you know like how did you fly to lunch or to vegas that quick like it was crazy so um to uh get over there and follow freddie mitchell everybody it's f mitchell 84 um on instagram uh he's a really good dude and i'm really glad that he's back in philly because he's got a big huge open heart and uh for philly and what he wants to do you know philly uh he always talks about the response that he received from people in philadelphia and how much he enjoyed living here and and playing here and you know before he moved away for a little while and did all that and they came back and so it was really kind of cool to listen to freddie talk about that and especially about a town that i adore so much because i'm from philly it's just really nice to hear people talk about that and freddie's living in a great part of town, super up and coming right now. So he's able to see kind of the resurgence of some of these areas really, really coming back strong. So everybody get out there and follow Freddie Mitchell on Instagram. It's F Mitchell 84. Um, that's what I got for you guys for today. It's a super quick one. Really happy we got it. We're able to get them on. Um, glad you guys were able to hang out with us today. Do me a favor and review us on the iTunes. Let people know what we're about. Tell everybody to follow this podcast because we try to have a good old time every time. Um, got to thank the boys down there at Radio Influence down in Tampa, Florida for what they put together and put up with on a weekly basis dealing with me and my shenanigans. Well, as Maggie Gagliardi who does all of our graphic stuff and then Michelle out there, Techno Solution. Trust me, stop playing around and stop fucking around with other people when it comes to websites. Just get in touch with Michelle. Let her take care of you guys. You know, if you have restaurants or whatnot, she does menus that are unbelievable. Her attention to detail that goes into it is just absolutely beautiful. She deals with like 75% of my clients, working with them, building menus for them, putting them together. Um, she's a very talented individual and I love being able to work with her. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thanks again for watching Duffified Live and I'll talk to you next week. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Radio 
Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles and DJ Eakin, news and political pundits like Law and Crime Network's Vincent Hill, and independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 